He's winning. Do you know what? In, there's a scripture in the Bible that literally says that God looks at the enemy and laughs. He sits on his throne and laughs. Can you just laugh at the enemy tonight? Just go, ha, ha, ha. Come on, just laugh at him. When he talks to you about your past, remind him of his future. Amen? Amen. He lost at the cross. He's going to lose again not too long from now. And then we win forever. So Christmas is a season full of miracles. It's a season of of miracles. Think about the first Christmas. It was loaded with miracles. Think about some some of the miracles. Just shout them out to me. What what miracles took place in the first Christmas? The star. That's right. This star just appears in the heavens, and the astrologers of the east follow this star right over where the Son of God is, being, is going to be born. That's amazing. You ever do a study on that? It is fascinating. Somebody else, another miracle in the first Christmas. Shepherds. There were shepherds. It, <laughs> <That's a miracle. laughs> what about the shepherds? The angels appeared to the shepherds. Yeah, these guys are just at work. It's a normal Monday out in the pastures, right? And, and, and they're waiting. They want to, you know, go home and eat a nice warm dinner. And all of a sudden, kind of like the angels we had over here, these three angels, weren't they just wonderful? Huh? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the sky's filled with an angelic choir singing about the coming of of Christ, the Messiah. Can you imagine being those shepherds? Wow, how startling that was. Another miracle. The wise men. What about the wise men? They came from far to worship. He was born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Micah prophesied by the Holy Spirit that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. All this orchestration, you can have faith that God is orchestrating your life. It may look chaotic at times. It may look like things aren't coming together, like it's not organized, that God doesn't see you, but he does. You look at that Christmas story. You look at how it took thousands of years to come to pass and now we're 2,000 years past it looking back you look at prophecy and all the prophecies that came to pass it is more logical and rational to believe in the coming of the son of God the death and resurrection of Christ than it is not to believe Christianity is not a blind faith it's a logical rational faith in fact the Bible says just look outside of creation and you have no excuse but to believe that there is a creator Another miracle during the Christmas. Mary, a virgin birth. How about that one? Hmm? What are you going to do with that? The virgin birth. This teenage girl. Now, in that culture, that was good. Back in the first century, in that region of the world, teenage girls would get married. And an angel appears to Mary in a, in a know-nothing town a town nobody ever wrote about in the entire Bible, in the whole Old Testament. Historians don't write about it other than that's where God chose to have the Son of God born. And this angel appears to Mary 
She was just an average girl married to an average guy named Joseph who served at church. And all of a sudden, I mean, you think she woke up that morning expecting a, a, a visitation from an angel? And what was his message? You are going to be pregnant. And she goes, how? I've never known a man. And he said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And, and, I mean, and the one that's going to be born, conceived in you, is the Son of God. Wow. 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 No wonder the angel had to appear to her husband, too. Because there's no way he was going to believe that story. Hello? Yeah, okay. So, And in that culture and at that time, one, to, get a, to be pregnant before you're married was, was uh, scandalous. They would lose their standing in society, in the, at the temple, the religious community. His income would be jeopardized. There was a lot at stake. And so the angel appears to Joseph as well and says, this is true. And then, of course... They have to say, be it unto us. When they said, yes, we will follow you, Lord, it was going to cost them everything. Nobody was going to believe this in their hometown. What a story. What a crazy story. Come on. You guys were together before you got married. Just admit it. I mean, come on. Seriously, an angel appeared. And oh, by the way, and the son of your carrying the son of God, another miracle, another miracle. That Jesus was not murdered. An angel appeared and told Joseph and Mary, get out of here, go down to Egypt, right? There's so much supernatural activity. What were you, what were you saying? The Magi, received the Magi received warning from an angel to tell them to get out of there. And then told Joseph to come back and then told him to leave again. I mean, it's just, what about, what about this one? An angel appeared to Mary's cousin, Elizabeth who was way past the age of being able to have babies. I mean, it was over for her, and she was barren. And an angel, the same angel Gabriel, the messenger angel from heaven, shows up to Elizabeth six months before he showed up to Mary and said, you're going to have a child. And he also appeared to her husband. And... Uh, he didn't believe it, and so he had to have his mouth sewn shut for nine months. So there's a lesson for you right there. When God says he's going to do something, say, I believe. Everybody say, I believe. I believe. You see, these miracle stories is what caused skeptics not to believe. They're like, well, that's silly. That's crazy. But you see, the definition of a miracle is it defies logic and human reason. It defies natural laws. That's what makes it a miracle. And can't God do a miracle? Isn't God allowed to do a miracle? But you know what some would say the greatest miracle of the Christmas story is? That God became one of us. That God became a man, a human being. What God would do this? What God of any other religion that you know of would become one of his 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 subjects, his, cre his creation. The creator becomes part of his creation. What, what, you know, we love upgrades. That was not an upgrade.
In fact, look what the scripture says about that in the book of Philippians. Who being in the very nature of God, talking about Jesus, talking about Christ, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Wow. Wow. We as human beings are striving to be something. We're striving to be significant. We're striving for glory. We're striving for recognition and accomplishment. We want to go up, not down. And yet this God who created the universes, the worlds, created you and I, stepped way down from glory, from heaven, into the earth, not as God, but as a man. He became one of us. And it says he made himself nothing. Mm. By taking the very nature of a servant. It's even worse. My wife and I are watching The Crown on Netflix right now. Have anybody ever watched The Crown? Okay, how many times, you two? The newest season, all right. Because I remember you told me again, by the way. You said you're watching it again. The Crown. And as you're watching The Crown about the royal family in Great Britain... You know, everybody serves them, and rightly so, because they are royalty. But the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all gods, not only came down to become one of us, he came down as one of us to serve us. That's why when, that's why when Jesus took off his his, his rabbinical robe, he put on the towel of the lowest servant of a household and began to wash Peter's feet, which in that time, they, would, they wore sandals and they, they, would, they would walk on dusty roads to their destination. When you got there, before you came in, the household servant, the lowest household servant, would wash the, the dirt off your feet as you came into the house. Jesus is washing the feet of Peter. And Peter says, not so, Lord. What are you doing? And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. You don't understand who I am and why I'm here and what I'm all about. He said, then wash my hair too and everything. Just give me a, just give me a shower. I want all of you. Whatever you got to do, this is very uncomfortable. That the greater would serve the lesser. Taken on the nature of a very servant, made himself in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. I personally don't believe the greatest miracle of Christmas is that God could become a man, is that he would become a man. Why would he do that? Why would God do that? I'm asking you this open book question. Why? Love. Love. That's the greatest miracle of Christmas. The miracle of love. We don't do well without being loved well. Do we? As human beings. We don't function well unless we are loved well. And all of us 
had been loved imperfectly on this side of heaven. All of us have hurts and wounds and sorrows. We've been mishandled. All of us. And God from heaven saw us. And his compassion for you and I moved him to come be one of us. To bring mercy and grace and love and healing. A woman caught in adultery. And he says, I don't condemn you. And restores her to life. A leper who is cast out from society. Jesus touches the leper and heals. The prostitute who comes into a religious leader's house and starts weeping over Jesus' feet with her tears, drying his feet with her hair. And the religious leader says, if this man were a true prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is that touches him. And Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. When I came in here, you did not wash my feet. You didn't, you know, give me the common courtesy of a guest. But this woman has not ceased to wash my feet with her tears and dry my feet with her hair. And then he said, to whom much has been forgiven, loves much. Restored her dignity right there in front of someone with a religious, judgmental, legalistic spirit. Or the tax collector, the thief, a chief tax collector, a brutal man. One afternoon with Jesus, he becomes the most benevolent man in the New Testament. Giving half his goods to the poor and restoring four times to those he had stole from. One lunch with Jesus. God came down to serve us out of our brokenness back into wholeness. But it only happens through Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. It's not an argument. It's not a philosophical debate. It's not a theological item to discuss. It's a fact. That all men and women are under the penalty of death because of our sin. There was only one who was sinless. And that was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's why God came as a man. Because there was a man and a woman who sinned against God. who was a human being that broke the relationship with God through their sin. And the penalty of sin is eternal separation from God. Death, the Bible calls it the second death. It's irreversible. It's inescapable. There is no hope. It doesn't matter how many candles you light, how many times you go to church, how much money you give, how many prayers you pray, no matter how good you are to other people, you cannot work your way back into perfection. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, and there is judgment hanging upon the human race. That is why, like a few weeks ago, when I prayed for a young gal that was here, at our church service, and I asked her, would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? She said, yes. I prayed for her to receive Christ, and I asked her this question, which I ask every person that I ask to receive Christ, and they give me the exact same answer every time. I've been doing this for 40 years, and I've gotten the same answer every time. What's going on inside of you? She said, I feel like this burden, this weight just lifted off of me, and I feel peace. Well, his name is the Prince Jesus said, I have a peace I can give you that the world cannot give to you. It's my peace. And he gives it to you immediately when you receive him as 
your Savior. Because the burden of your sin, the guilt of your sin, the judgment that's upon you is literally removed by the Holy Spirit and you feel it. You don't know what it is, but you know something just happened. And then he breathes his Holy Spirit into your soul and you come alive. Spiritual, eternal, unchangeable life. It's called eternal life. God did this because of love. This is a very familiar passage to most people, but it says it all. John 3, 16. Let's say this out loud. For God so loved. Let's back up and emphasize the word so. It's not just love. The world is in such a broken, degraded state that God didn't have, could, it was more than just God loved the world. God, what? So loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him that's a great word for christians god did not send his son into the world to condemn and judge people we're already condemned we're already judged that is the state of the human race we are under the judgment of a holy god but god's love triumphs over judgment and so before that day comes the bible says that it's every person dies once and then you meet god and you meet and 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 you meet the judgment book of hebrews says that in the bible so god intervenes in between this day and that day with free forgiveness bought and paid for by his son and if you will receive jesus christ as your savior then judgment day was not part of your future because Jesus was judged for you on the cross. That's what that was all about. That's why when you receive Jesus, you feel this weight lift off. You feel this peace coming. What was that? That was judgment day being removed from your future. And in heaven, there are two books. Read it in the book of Revelation. Jesus, the risen Christ, appeared to John the Apostle and said, I'm going to show you the future and I want you to write it down and send it to the churches. And that's the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. And in that book, it says there are two books. Not before, two books. One is the book of judgment. The other one is called the book of life. And when you give your life to Christ, your name is, and all, all, the, all your sins have been listed, by the way. That's really bad news. Every thought, every motive, every action has been recorded. Why? Why would God do that? So that when this holy God judges you, he will judge you righteously. There will be no, like my kids, I didn't do it, he did it, she did it, I wasn't even there, right? That's not going to happen. God's going to say, I got it all written and recorded right here. When you receive Christ, your name, all your sins are erased and your name is written in the book of life. That is why we as Christians are not to be going around judging people or to be loving people into the kingdom of God by the message of his grace. Can I hear an amen? Amen. 
He saw you and I wallowing in darkness, groping for meaning, searching for significance, wondering where we came for, why we're here, where we're going to end up when we die. He also saw us in our sins, and the ultimate penalty is death. But you see, that's what love does, doesn't it? That's what love does. Love gives. Love sacrifices. Love will give all it has for the object of that love. How many of you here have children? Raise your hand. Okay, now put your hands down. Don't lie in church. I'm going to ask you one more question. Don't lie in church. Okay? If you, if your child was in danger, if your child was going to die of some horrible disease, if your child was abducted, if your child whatever, if you've ever like thought you lost your child before like in the mall, any, anybody ever been through that exercise? Lord have mercy. I mean, it is panic. How many of you parents, and I want you to raise your hand on this one, would give your life for your child? Look at this. Most of you. Okay. <laughs> You're like, well, I have three, and that one for sure. The other one. God lost all of his children in the mall of a fallen world. And he felt what you and I feel when we think we've lost one of our children. Where did he or she go? That panic, that fear, that's called love. And the Father's love came down to rescue us. Love goes way beyond what is reasonable. Now here is where the miracle grows exponentially. It's one thing for you and I to be willing to give our life for one of our children because we love them so much and because they're so lovable. I mean, we, we would give our life to someone that we find precious and valuable. God gave the life of his son for you. I mean, you look in the mirror every day, right? You have to look in the mirror. You know your own wickedness. You know your jealousies. You know your lusts. You know your greed. You know your fears. You know your pride. You know yourself, right? You know your fallenness and your ugly parts. We, 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 we present ourselves to everybody the best we can, but we really know what's going on inside of us, the darkness in us. We know that. Who would die for that? Who would die for a criminal? Who would die for someone? I mean... Think about this. God came to the earth, became one of us, and began to serve us. Now, how many of us would submit to somebody else's will and do what they want us to do with our life and serve them? Especially if you are superior to start with. And yet, I'm going to let you tell me what I should do with my life, and I'm going to serve you, and with the knowledge that one day you're going to spit in my face slap me, beat me, whip me, torture me, and kill me. And yet I'm going to serve you anyway, because you need me to. This is the state that we were in when God chose to come rescue us, when we were not so lovable, 
In fact, look what the book of Romans says. But God showed his great love, not just his love. God showed his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. So through Christ, we will be saved from God's anger because we have been made right with God by the blood of Christ's death. While we were God's enemies. People sing the song, you know, I'm a friend of God. Not if you haven't come to Christ. Outside of Christ, we are God's enemies. We do this to God. You won't tell me what to do. I am, I am, and there is no other. I dictate my life. We use his name as a curse word. We are a fallen, depraved human race. We are called the enemies of God. God died for his enemies. What love is this? What kind of love is this? It's extravagant. It's irrational. It's unlimited, and it's for you. While we were God's enemies, he made, his, he made us his friends through the death of his son. Whew. Friendship with God. That is what the gospel is all about. God wanted his children back. He wanted our friendship restored. You know, that's my favorite definition of my relationship with Jesus is genuine friendship. Your friends will backstab you. They will gossip about you. They will be two-faced to you because, and, and you do the same thing somewhere along the line. You're going to do something to hurt somebody. You're going to say you're somebody's friend and you're going to date their boyfriend or something. And I mean, you know, their girlfriend, you're going you're gonna to lie about something. You're not going to tell the whole story, make yourself look better than you really were in that situation. It's just, it's just the way we are. We're fallen. Jesus is the best friend you will ever have. Amen. You can spit in his face, use his name in vain, slap him, deny him in public because of peer pressure. You can do all of that. You can sin, 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 sin. And Jesus will be right here waiting for you to come back to him to be your best friend again. When we were God's enemies, while we were God's enemies, he made us his friends through the death of his son. Surely now that we are his friends, he will save us through his son's life. So Jesus came to the earth, and he came as the light of the world. This spiritual darkness that we are in, it's kind of like the boy who was afraid of the dark. And his mom asked him to go out to the back porch and get the broom, but it was dark outside. He didn't want to go outside. And he said, Mommy, I don't want to go out there. I'm afraid of the dark. Are you sure it's even out there? Yeah, I remember. I left it out there this afternoon. Will you go out and get it for me? No, Mommy. I'm afraid of the dark. I don't want to go out there. She said, look, you don't, you don't have to worry about it. Jesus is with you wherever you go. Jesus is out there. You go out and get that broom, and Jesus is with you. Don't worry about it. So he kind of looked at her, kind of puzzled, like, what would Jesus be doing out in the back porch? So he goes out, and he cracks over and says, hey, Jesus, if you're out there, can you hand me the broom? <laughs> 
This is what Jesus has done for us. He came down into darkness. He came down into this dark world. He comes down into your dark life. He sees the darkness of our soul and he comes to us with healing hands outstretched, with loving arms outstretched, with a heart that'll cover all of your sins, won't even talk to you about them when you come to him. Peter denied Jesus three times with cursing. I never knew him. I don't know the man. I don't know anything about him. I'm not his disciple. As they arresting him and crucifying him, Peter denied even knowing him. And he went out and wept bitterly because he had failed spiritually so bad. Some of you may feel that way. Some of you may feel like you have sinned so badly that God can never love you. That at least you're on plan Z with God, not even plan B. You're like all the way down to the bottom of the alphabet. That's not true. That's not true. When Jesus rose from the dead, Peter went back to fishing. He figured it's all over. Jesus found me when I was fishing. I'm going back to where I was before Jesus found me. I screwed up so bad. There's no way that God would ever be able to forgive me for my sins. I denied knowing the son of God in public cursed Jesus sees Peter fishing and he yells to him calls to him children have you caught any fish and like who is that who is that on the shore throw your net on the other side if you remember if you know the story when Jesus first met Peter they were fishing and they what fished all night long right they caught nothing And then Jesus, the rabbi, asked Peter, can I borrow your boat and I stand in your boat so I can preach a sermon to the crowds? Peter said, sure, rabbi. So Jesus preached to the crowds and then Jesus says to Peter, hey, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Now, that is is high level fishing knowledge. That if you're out on the lake and you're not able to catch fish with your net on the left side of the boat, All you have to do is throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll catch some fish. Everybody knows this, right? He says, we have fished all night long and caught nothing. But at your word, everybody say, at your word. At your word. That's the key phrase right there. At your word. So they dropped the net. And of course, there was this massive catch of fish. And so Peter recognized in that moment, this is not just a normal rabbi. This is the Messiah, the Son of God. And so after Peter lives for three and a half years with Jesus, seeing all the miracles, being a part of Jesus' crew, being taught personally by Jesus, living with him, I mean, just being loved by him, he denies him and denies him and denies him. And then they crucify Jesus and he dies. And Peter was just completely undone with his own shame and guilt and spiritual failure. Some of you may feel that way. But guess what? Jesus calls. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you back. He's saying, my grace is more than enough for you. I just want you back. And so he says, children, have you caught anything? Peter says, no. And he says, throw your net on the other side. And they did it. And they caught this huge, massive load of fishing. And Peter's like, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. So he doesn't even wait to row in. He jumps out of the boat. He's swimming in. 
to the shore, and there's Jesus. And you know what Jesus did when Peter came up on the shore? What we would all expect. He said, seriously? <laughs> and gave him the most shaming, disapproving look he could possibly come up with as the son of God. After all I've done for you, You know what? You're carrying my briefcase from now. That's all you get to do, right? <laughs> this apostle stuff, forget about it. No way. No way. Your calling is over. You get the lowest position in my kingdom. Is that what Jesus did? No. What did Jesus do? He made him breakfast. And he asked him one question. Not, why did you deny me? Couldn't you have done better than that? You big fat loser. He didn't say that. What did he say to him? Ask them one question. Do you love me? It's all about love. It's all about friendship. Jesus was just so glad to have Peter. He knew he had to get the shame off of Peter so that Peter could go on into his divine destiny. Some of you are carrying heavy shame tonight. And you don't think there's enough forgiveness for you. And I'm telling you, it's a lie from the devil. Jesus has enough forgiveness to cover all of your sins and restore your relationship with God. He is called the light of the world. We're going to read this last scripture and then we're going to receive communion together, which represents the death of Christ. And when he died, he took all of our guilt, all of our shame and all of our sins in his own body. And he took it to hell with him. He, he literally deposited it in a place where it could never come back to haunt you. It says, And you, my little son, talking about Jesus' cousin John the Baptist, my little son will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because God's tender, everybody say God's tender mercy. What a beautiful phrase. God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven, Jesus, is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide us to the path of peace. Jesus comes to you the first time to be the light you need, the spiritual light to lead you to the Father for salvation. And then, after you give your life to Jesus the first time, He's with you forever. He is your light, and He will guide you every day of your life in every relationship, and everywhere you go, everything you do, everyone you relate to. He will give you light. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you His friendship until the day you go to heaven you're with Him forever. That's the gospel message. So I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ right now if you never have before, never given your life to Jesus. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't even know if you'll make it till tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. God's grace and forgiveness is being offered to you right now but he won't force it on you. 
He can't make you receive his son for the forgiveness of your sins. But if you will, if you will simply say yes to Jesus and pray the simple prayer I'm about to pray with you, you're going to feel that weight lift off for you. You're going to feel the peace of Jesus into your soul like it did to me when I was 19 years old, a very long time ago. And I said, this was my prayer. Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you're who those people down at that church say you are, I'm inviting you into my life. And that was the day I found contentment for the first time in my life. So would you just close your eyes right there where you are? And I want to give you an opportunity right here and right now to act on this message of the gospel you've heard this evening and give your life to Jesus. You're here this evening. You've heard this wonderful message of God's love for you. And you want your sins forgiven. You want to know the peace of Jesus. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up right where you are? And I'm going to pray for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. Just slip your hand up and say, that is me. I need to know I'm right with God. I see your hand, man. I, need, I see your hand. I need to know that I'm right with God. I need the peace of God in my life. I need to know I'm going to heaven when I die. I see your hand over here. I see your hand back there. Somebody else. I need you to pray with me to give my life to Jesus. Those of you that are online, you as well. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And Jesus is watching, Jesus is listening, and Jesus is waiting and ready to forgive you and to receive you as child. And some of you here tonight, you are a Christian, but you have slipped back. The world has pulled you away. Or the shame, the weight of, the weight of your sin has so shamed you that you're suffocating under guilt. If anybody knew, if anybody knew, if anybody knew, they would reject you, but Jesus won't. If that's you and you need to come back to Jesus, you want a fresh start with him, will you raise your hand and say, that's me. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back row there. Somebody else, raise your hand. I see your hand. Somebody else, I need a fresh start with Jesus back here in the back row. I need a fresh start. I need to know my sins are forgiven. I see your hand, sweetheart. Okay, let's pray this prayer out loud together. They say, Jesus, I believe you are the light of the world. I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you saw me in my sin, in my darkness, in my brokenness, and you came for me. I receive you as my savior right now. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Say, I now receive the forgiveness of my sins through Jesus and Jesus alone. Now I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Just receive this. Lord, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would be breathed by Jesus Christ himself into every person that has just received you as their Savior, that they may be born again. I pray for every believer who has fallen away from you, Jesus, that they experience a renewing of your peace in their soul right now. I pray you fill them fresh and new by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they will feel that renewal of joy and peace and happiness in God. 
I pray, Lord, for your empowerment upon them. As they leave this place, they leave filled and overflowing with the spirit of the living God. Would you open your communion with me? If you've never done this before, it's not on you. These are not easy to figure out the first time. When we first used these during COVID, it took about a half hour for everybody to be ready. Just peel off the top. Do you have one? Do you have one? Okay. If you don't have communion elements, you go ahead and raise your hand and our handsome usher will bring one to you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. The Lord said, we're two or more gathered in my name. I'm right there in their midst. Lord, just thank him. We just thank him right now. Thank him for his body. Thank him for what he did for you on the cross. Come on, make this personal. Make it real. This isn't just a wafer. This is a representation of Jesus' body on the cross for all of your sins, for your brokenness. He can heal. I just got a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is when somebody, when God tells you something about somebody that you couldn't know otherwise. I'm not going to point out who it is in this room, but I know who it is. I believe it's the Holy Spirit just revealed this to me. What happened to you as a girl, as a daughter, Jesus has come to heal you. Jesus can heal you. Jesus calls himself the shepherd of your soul. That's your emotions, your mind, your will. His body on that cross was broken so he could heal your life. Thank you, Jesus, for healing us. And Lord, we don't take this lightly. We take it as seriously as when you died on the cross for us. We believe. And as we eat this, Lord, I pray that you would heal souls, heal bodies, heal lives, and heal relationships right now. Let's eat the body of Christ together. And this juice representing the blood of Jesus makes demons flee in terror. This blood forgives you of all sin, all shame, all guilt. There's no sin other than what everybody knows, the unpardonable sin. And let me tell you something, family of God, the devil will use that against you, convincing you you've committed what the Bible calls the unpardonable sin. And let me tell you this, if you're concerned about that, you have not committed it. Because it takes a seared conscience. Someone who knows that the Holy Spirit is operating in power and purposely calls it the devil. That's what the Pharisees did because they were jealous of Jesus' power and that he was drawing the multitudes. That is a very extreme, uh, far out sin where you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you have not done that because you're here. You're watching online. This is, that is not you. The devil has tricked you. There's not a sin you've ever committed, a thought you've ever had. That this blood can't take care of. Can I hear an amen? amen? Jesus, thank you for the blood that poured out of your body down that cross. That made hell shake, demons tremble. And our sin to be completely paid for. As you drink the juice representing his blood. 
believe that all your sins are completely, unconditionally, and eternally forgiven. Let's drink the blood of Christ together. And let's all stand and let's worship. As this was advertised as a one-hour service, I'm six minutes over. But that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Because it's usually 16 minutes over or 60 minutes over. It's only six. Everybody shout hallelujah. It's a Christmas miracle. We're going to end with one last song of worship on this wonderful Christmas Eve Eve service celebrating Christ our Savior. And then we're going to have prayer teams come up. And they're going to pray for you if you want prayer. Maybe you need a physical healing in your body. You need a miracle. Maybe there's a sin that you just still feel guilty about and you need these prayer teams to pray for you. Miracles happen up here when these prayer teams pray for you. And so this last song is about the light of the world, Jesus. So we're going to turn out the lights in this place and you're going to take a crowbar or something to turn that little light on you have because these things are a little hard but just do it it'll, it'll work if you give it a, if you get enough umph we're gonna wait till everybody has their jesus light on come on come on it's like you're in a heavenly concert come on everybody light of the world come on let's sing about jesus come on come on church here we go waits for a miracle, the heart longs for a little bit of hope, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. A child prays for peace on earth and she's calling out from a sea of hurt, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. Tears of a mother, a baby's cry is the sound of love. Come down, come down, Emmanuel. Here's a song for the suffering. He's the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. So come, has come, Emmanuel.
Drums is my fave. I just want to just one more song. When we do that, there's one more song. And then we'll do the prayer teams and we got cookies and stuff out back. So I know some of you that are, I had those cookies on the way in, you're like, oh good. While everybody else is singing, I'm gonna go get one of those cookies. So but Jesus is watching. I just want to say that, all right. God bless you for coming. We're gonna do one more song. We meet here every Sunday at 10 a.m. We're not this Sunday, but I did. We did a, 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 a Christmas devotional. It's about a ten-minute video that'll be sent out to you. Uh, you can find it on Facebook, Gathering Place Facebook. Also on New Year's Day, we're not meeting here. We're meeting at Kate Carson Park. We're gonna have a great day. I've got a New Year's message for you, and if you can't make it, that'll be online as well. But we're gonna do one more song, and then we're gonna pray for you. And we're out. Okay? Here we go. We're gonna sing Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Yeah, it was grace. T'was grace that taught my heart to be and grace my fear How precious did that grace appear the 